Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. everyone welcome to adventures in autism episode 59 i am megan carranza thank you so much for coming to listen if it is your first episode welcome if you have been listening thank you so much for coming back i am truly so so thankful for each and every one of you that listen every week or like i said are just finding us for the first time I'm so glad you made your way here. <laughs> um, I just have to say thank you so much to everyone who has reached out and sent messages, especially over these past couple weeks. I have been really feeling the love, especially over on like Instagram and Facebook. If you don't follow me, check it out. Um, on Instagram, it's Adventures in Autism Pod or on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast. I have been sharing some little nuggets of our lives good and bad. We've been dealing with some potty regression, which has not been great. But on the flip side, we have had some really awesome progress with Logan's speech device, which has made its way home. We just got it home this past weekend and he is honestly doing amazing with it. And I think it's going to be helping in all areas. So I will definitely do an update episode pretty soon, kind of talking about that with the progress, but I have gotten so much love just talking about the regression and how tough that's been, but then also just like so much support from everybody with him getting his device and it's just been amazing. So again, thank you so much just for, for listening, but for supporting for Logan and our family and this whole journey. I am so happy to have you guys along with me and I'm, I'm so, I enjoy so much following your journeys as well. So definitely connect. I love talking to you guys and today's episode is awesome. I'm super excited. I have an autism sibling on the show today. Her name is Natalie Castro and she has an adult sister on the spectrum named Angie. They have a super close, amazing, special relationship that I know you guys will love hearing about. Natalie actually became her sister's legal guardian just recently. uh, And we talk all about that and just about her work as an autism professional. She creates a lot of great content and just has such a wonderful perspective to share. I have had, you know, several autism siblings on the podcast at this point. And as a parent, I always enjoy hearing that because, you know, I have two little girls who have a brother on the spectrum. And I just, I think about their lives so much and what it's like growing up, you know, just kind of like immersed in this special needs world kind of from the beginning. And I just, I, I love, I can't get enough of special needs siblings, to be honest with you. I think it is such an amazing role that these people play in our children's lives. So Natalie definitely lives up to that. She is just a joy. I know that you guys will love listening to her. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to chat with you. Natalie had reached out to me on Instagram just like a few weeks back, and I was really touched by her story. She is an autism sibling. She has a younger sister on the spectrum, although we were just talking, you're only 18 months older. So you guys are like really close in age. We're super close, but she's definitely the younger one because if you ever meet Angie, she's adorable, she's loving, and she bosses me around. So she's definitely the younger (laughs) one. (laughs) That is funny. I just had my, my sister on my, one of my episodes and I feel like I'm, I'm the younger one, but we kind of like flip back and forth between like, who's the one kind of bossing. The other yeah. One. So <laughs> relationships are interesting, which is exactly why I wanted to have you on today because not only are you doing amazing things for your sister personally, but you are doing so many amazing things within the autism community. So I'm super excited to talk about all that, but if you will kind of take us back to like the beginning you know, you're 18 months older. So you have grown up with autism. What was that like for you? I remember my talking to my mom and I asked her probably 
when I was 15, when did she notice Angie had autism? Because around that time in high school was when I was getting more involved in being involved in Best Buddies and other nonprofits and other organizations that um, served individuals with autism. And she told me that one day she came home and she was used to coming home and Angie and I running up to her and saying, hi, mom, love you. And one day Angie didn't run up to her and my mom just looked at her and Angie's Angie was eye gazing. She had told Uh me and she said that pediatricians were calling her crazy. Nothing's wrong. All these things. Um, And then she ended up getting the autism diagnosis about two months later, my mom said. So I was very young to remember this part in the autism journey. I want to say that the earliest memory I have is probably when I was seven years old and Angie started getting aggressive with me. And I literally felt that my sister hated me, that, you know, I would go into the playroom and she would just want to play by herself. Or if I wanted to play with her, you know, I think she thought that I was trying to take her toys away from her and she Uh would engage in aggression with me. So, you know, that part in my life was very difficult because when I went to school and I played with my peers, I thought to myself, why doesn't my sister play with me like this? Like she doesn't love me. And she didn't mm-hmm. talk. She was nonverbal as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then I remember later on going into, I was in fourth grade and I went into my sister's speech therapy session during school. The speech therapist had invited me, you know, yes, it was during my playground time, but I said yes anyways, because she said, I think there's something I want to show you. Your parents have talked to me about you not understanding Angie's play skills I'm like okay you know I'm in fourth grade I don't know any better (laughs) right you're like play skills what does that mean (laughs) I'm like okay and at that time communication device and nowadays everything's on a nice iPad or the iPhone I'm talking about those dinosaur box looking like pex uh communication devices (laughs) right the heavy ones Mm -hmm. okay and I kind of feel old saying this but um (laughs) (laughs) so I remember being in that speech session and the therapist was teaching me how to how Angie was communicating and that was such an eye-opener for me and I always remember my parents explaining autism but I didn't I understood the definition of autism but I didn't understand my sister if that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. um so the speech therapist at her elementary at our elementary school was the one who really opened my eyes to why Angie communicated the way she did, how she communicates and her play skills. And from that, that's what helped Angie and I's relationship from that day forward. Um, You know, I asked my teacher all the time, can I give up my, go to my sister's speech session? And my teacher was amazing. She always just let me, whenever the opportunity came up, you know, of course I didn't go during my academic time, but if my teacher said, if you want to give up your play time to go to your sister's therapy session, of course you can go. Um, And it was a speech therapist who really opened my eyes. And from that day forward, um, you know, if Angie was involved in a summer camp, I went with Angie. And the first year I went into a summer camp, I not only got to understand Angie's autism, I got to understand other children and autism. Mm -hmm. And that's what opened my eyes up even more. So something that I really stress to families is because of my experience, I feel a lot of families think that they want separate lives for their kids. And as as I can understand that, at the same time, bonding with Angie and understanding Angie through being involved in her progress, whether it was social, whether it was in her summer camp in a social setting, whether it was in her therapy sessions in a um, developmental setting, I got to understand Angie and that's why we're able to have the relationship we have today is because Mm -hmm. of that. Um, That's such great advice. I feel like I I totally, I see what you're saying because I think, and I think sometimes it's not even that parents necessarily want to have you know the the separate life for their their typical children and their their kiddos on the spectrum but sometimes it's just kind of a natural progression because I know like with Logan with my son he is so busy with like school and therapy Mm -hmm. that 
he doesn't always have time, you know, to really do much outside of that. Right. Um, so I feel like in a lot of ways he is separated, but we do bring in, um, my, not my, my little one is only one, but my, my middle <laughs> daughter, Liliana will go in for sessions with him and like they, they play a game together and work on, like you said, those play skills. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just getting a device. So right now he uses packs, which he, he does a great job with it, but it's not, you know, he can't, he can communicate like wants and needs and like mm-hmm. kind of basic things with it but we're super excited for the device because I think kind of like how you were saying for you like that was a light bulb moment for you but I think for my my middle daughter too like she what you when you were saying that like when you were little it was hard for you when Angie would want to play with you it breaks my heart because there's so many times when Liliana will say to me like I want to play with Logan and he doesn't want to play with me and it just like it's so hard to you know, she's only three. So it's like, she knows that he's like different. And we talk about autism. It's very like open in our house. But like you said, it's one thing to kind of know what autism is, but it's another thing to like really understand your sibling and like get the why and what's going on. Um, So everything you're saying to me right now is like so encouraging because I just think you have such an amazing, beautiful relationship with your sister. So I can only hope that my my daughters (laughs) will have Logan too. Well, Um, another part of not just bringing awareness to families about this topic, but it's bringing awareness to therapists because mm -hmm. unless they're a sibling themselves, I don't think they understand the value and the impact that they have on a sibling or on a family dynamic. And I, um, you know, back in Florida, I moved to Utah this year, but I owned a pediatric therapy office. We had physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and I would always stress to the therapist that this is something that they necessarily learn in graduate school, but I was able to give them that family perspective and say, this is what I feel you guys Mm -hmm. should integrate into your session because we did a one-on-one. I said, look, Mm -hmm. I understand if your the client is eight years old and their sibling is, let's say, for example, three Mm -hmm. daughter Liliana, if you can't involve them in the whole session because, you know, distraction or anything, you, you also want to get the most out of the therapy session, then Mm -hmm. involve them at the end or involve them in the five minutes to make an impact and I always tell them my story about how speech therapists opened my eyes and really made an impact on my sister and I relationship because as autism siblings get older you know we feel as we feel a disconnect with our siblings and it's not because of parents it's not because of therapists but there's a gap that we haven't filled that mm-hmm. isn't being um, you know acknowledged yet you know, we're so focused on the developmental goals. And to be honest, even my sister, at she's going to be 26 years old in November. She's always going to have goals to work on. Just like we, as mm-hmm. individuals, we all have goals to work on ourselves. We need to focus on the family dynamic, because if we don't reach that as a community of professionals, of family members, it's really hard for that family dynamic to continue to grow. It's always going to be this disconnect and it's not intentional. It's just not being addressed. You're, you're so right. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I feel like that I think with all professionals, I, even the really good ones, I still sometimes find myself like trying to explain to them, like on a very basic level, like (laughs) this is my baby that we're talking about. You know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. like, sometimes even, like I said, even I'm very Logan's whole team. I'm super thankful for and blessed like we're in a really good spot with that right now mm-hmm. but there's there's even times with them where it's like I have to kind of be like okay we need to just like take a step back because I understand that you're looking at this you know from this clinical point of view and like right this like the right thing to do but like the, we're, we're talking about like you know the extension of my soul you know what I mean like <laughs> right. it's like it's so hard to like explain that unless you like you said you are a, an autism parent or sibling and it's like this person is is so like special to you and close to you and important to you because I think even the best professionals, it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes. Right. And I feel that siblings actually become the best professionals because they're educating yes. on this topic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have friends that they're therapists and they're autism siblings, but what was interesting was I didn't really get the sense autism siblings feel alone. And I can tell mm-hmm. you that now. And I mm-hmm. felt alone. None of my friends understood 
how can they? You know, my friends were so sweet with Angie. My group of friends always invited me and Angie out. You know, I was so lucky to have the friends that I did growing up. And to be honest, if there were friends and even the dating stages (laughs) during that Mm -hmm. time, if nobody if that person didn't connect with my sister, I just didn't get involved with them as a friend. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't waste my time. That was just me. Um, Because it was so important that in order for someone to connect with me, they had to connect with my world and my sister is my world. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was very hard. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, that's just so sweet that you say that, that she's your world. I mean, it's just like, it melts my heart. She is, you know, um, even if she bosses me around in that world, she's still still my world. Um, And growing up, the only time that I ever felt part of the autism sibling community, community, like I can talk to someone that got it, was when I became a Best Buddies um, high school chapter president. Mm-hmm. And we went to a conference in Indiana. I met 10 autism siblings. And I can just tell you the, I can't, it's kind of hard to explain, but we just looked at each other. We said we were autism siblings and we just felt like we, we got it. You know, mm-hmm. as autism parents, you guys love to, and I'm not a parent even yet. And I say you guys, because I'm just, I'm not a parent, um, <laughs> but I say autism parents, you know, you guys feel sense of connection community when you connect with other autism parents Mm -hmm. for autism siblings I feel that's equally as important no matter what age they're in they're at oh yeah absolutely Um, and I feel the community not just you know autism siblings but there's so many programs out there amazing professionals and something else that I'm very passionate about because of my personal experience with Angie growing up and then getting into studying autism and you know, involving myself in the school setting, the therapy office, just everything combined. I feel that there are so many amazing professionals that if we just gave them that awareness of why not create, let's say, for example, music therapy. My sister was very involved in music and art, and that's actually how she began to talk was music and art therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah, she when she was nine, um, thanks to the art and music therapist at her summer camp. And questions that I was going to ask, um, and obviously you can finish what you're saying, but so is she verbal now or is it like, she she is. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. That I very verbal. (laughs) Incredible. And it it wasn't, she was nine. She was nine years old. Um, and if you, I, one day I'm going to produce this video of Angie from when she was little if you see the woman she is now, people, therapists that worked with her after she was 16 years old, don't believe the stories I tell them. They, they just don't. Um, oh my gosh. You know, but it was because the thing with autism is that no two individuals are the same. Right. And I just feel such, and when I see families on social media say, my son said, I love you. My daughter said, I love you. Like, mm-hmm. that's all we want from it right like if you Mm -hmm. can just verbalize I love you you know because if you think about that you know intimate connection you know yes they give hugs but sometimes they have sensory um you know they have some issues with tactile and Mm -hmm. they don't want hugs so Mm -hmm. you know that sign of affection can be difficult for them to express um Absolutely. You know, depending on how they, they process their sensory processing. Um, Mm -hmm. But back to the art and music therapy, if the Mm -hmm. therapist created a program that involved siblings in it, what that would have meant to me growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, therapists and professionals are always like, okay, who can be the, who can be the model child? Hello, you have siblings. Like, why haven't we thought about this? You know, yeah. how can, and not just that, you're teaching, you're providing experience for siblings to engage with their sibling. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something else yeah, I'm this, very passionate uh, about teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. This has come up a few times on the podcast because like I said, that's something that we've been incorporating with Liliana and we've just seen such, it, 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 I think it makes both of them so happy. Mm-hmm. My daughter, especially because it's like, she's so desperate for that connection with Logan mm-hmm. and when they have like that time together and they you know they, they play a game 
it's just like she's she's just like getting like her soul is just being fed and you can totally see that and it's so sweet um but then for my son on the other foot it's like he maybe isn't as into it because he just like socially kind of like how you were saying your sister wanted to play alone like that's kind of right he's just not his social skills are definitely something we're working on but at the same time it's like he's flexing those social skills muscles so it's like it's it's a win-win for everybody so I agree with you I think it should be like incorporated into to any kind of therapy session the whole concept of parallel play I mean my sister and I you know I'm 27 she's 25 we still do that to this day Mm -hmm. you know no I don't have the same type of conversations with her as I do with my Um, you know, with my girlfriends or even my boyfriend, but at the same time, she's engaging with me. Like I've accepted that that's her way of engaging with me. And I even bought a home here in Utah and I bought a home that I'm, we're adapting the basement. So my mom and I could help Angie with too, because of, you know, me becoming a guardian, but and I asked Angie, I said, Angie, do you want to live with me? Or do you want to live with mom? She's like, I want to live with you. I'm like, what siblings don't want to live together? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, <laughs> so we made it to where my mom and I help each other out with Angie, but she, you know, she wants to be independent. She's kind of at that stage where she's like, okay, mm-hmm. Natalie, leave me alone. I want to just be by myself. And that's fine mm-hmm. because now I know that that's just a stage for her, but she loves cooking with me, even if she doesn't say much to me. She just loves mm-hmm. being next to me and cooking. So it's a slow progress to developing that relationship, but it takes time. And that's why I feel it's so important to start when they're young, because it just keeps growing from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're, you're so right. Um, so you just briefly mentioned, so you are Angie's guardian or one of Angie's guardians, I should say. Can you talk to us about that process and like what brought you to make that decision? Yes. So one of the things that I also stress to families is that the topic of guardianship is very scary. Um, Yeah. It's very intimidating. You don't want to imagine a world without you in it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. leaving your kids in general, nonetheless, a child that has needs and then put that responsibility on a sibling. Um, I can't imagine what that feels as a parent, but from the sibling's perspective, important to address this no matter, and I'm not saying address it when they're three years old. I'm saying address it maybe (laughs) around their twenties. I think that's an appropriate time because you just never know what's going to happen. You know, with us, um, my parents are separated. My dad's not in the picture anymore. Hasn't spoken to my sister and I in five years. And that was very emotionally hard on Angie. So Mm -hmm. when it came time to, and he didn't even want to be involved in her life anymore. So when it came to that guardianship during my parents' divorce, my mom asked me, you know, she consulted with a special um, guardian attorney Mm -hmm. and the attorney explained to her that in certain, this could be different in every state, but in the state of Florida, if my mom filed for guardianship by herself and I was like next of kin, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and something happened to my mom, I would have to go through that process of asking my dad for the guardianship, asking for, I would, it would have been an ugly process. Um, yeah. So from the start, you know, she asked me, these are your two choices. Either I can put you next or you can be a co-guardian. We can do this together. What do you want? And I felt great when my mom asked me what I wanted. It wasn't something that she expected of me. Mm-hmm. Um. But the relationship I had, of course, I was like, I'm all in. Just put me as co-guardian. Yeah. Uh, did that. And I was 26 years old. This was not something that I expected in my 20s. This is something I expected in my 40s or my 50s after I've had a family. And now this has completely changed the way I view my relationship with my partner, the way I view my finances, the way I view my work life. And it, you know... Uh, this all happened to us when I was 22, mm-hmm. but with the, you know, divorce and everything, it took a few years, but I, w- I opened up my own pediatric therapy office at that time. I was going to school full time. And because of this experience, I completely flipped my college education to online because I was trying to help my mom, was trying to run a business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Angie, 
I would do anything for Angie, but I started realizing as a parent, like as a sibling, what parents go through when they adapt their lives, when they get the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Mm-hmm. So how a lot of parents, one parent has to stay home. My parents were like that too, for a long time where uh, my dad stayed home and he was involved in Angie's therapy and my mom worked. So mm-hmm. I just went from, okay, I lived this and now I have to see and feel what a parent feels when they get the diagnosis. I feel it when I get the title of guardian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it so changes it's, everything. It's, yeah. Because I mean, when you're, when you're a sibling, you, and especially for a sibling like you, cause it sounds like you've always been just like super involved in like every facet, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's just different as a parent because you not only are you, you know, involved in all those things, but it's like, it's completely your responsibility. Also, it's not like, Oh, I'm doing this because I want to do it. It's like, well, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. So it is like, there's definitely a difference in in, in the relationship for sure. Right. Um, But yeah, for you at this point, it's like, you kind of have, have kind of seen both sides of things. Right. And I feel it's so important because families need to have kind of a game plan if something Mm -hmm. were to happen, even if, you know, the kids were younger, who, what family member, what friend would they trust with this, you know? So the topic of guardian is not just, it's for a family and it's so hard to give like a one straight answer. There's, there's no right or wrong answer to, Mm -hmm. for a sibling to be involved in a guardianship role. Right. It has to depend on the lifestyle that the family's in, the age, you know, what's going on. But I want to stress that for autism siblings, it's it's something that is almost inevitable, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to, you know, you know, the day I have kids, I don't know, you know, if I'm going to have um, a child with special needs, that's something that I don't know, as opposed to I know that I'm going to be my sister's guardian one day I just didn't expect it so early yeah mm-hmm. um it's interesting um so I'm just curious because you were saying how Angie's it, so she is living with you now yes I bought a home in Utah and we're converting the basement to be an apartment for mom and mm-hmm. because mom and I both travel for work um And Angie usually travels with me because my work is autism. So I always have Angie with me. Um, But that way my mom and I are able to help her because we just don't have outside help. You know, Mm -hmm. it's great when families can have that outside help, but for some families you just don't, Um, you know, and my mom and I manage each other's, not, but we manage our schedule to make it work to where, you know, where you have Angie involved in the community. We have her involved in programs and activities, but it's hard when they age out of school. That's another (laughs) uh, topic for sure. Is when they age Um, out what to do with the time. We might need to do a part two. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) probably. I'm still trying to figure it out. So (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a process, you know? Um, Well, I just have to say, first of all, I'm so impressed with you that you're like, I own this, this pediatric, you know, therapy company. I just bought a home and just you and your mom, like you guys sound like such a great team. And I, it just, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm so impressed with you and I, I think you're doing amazing. So just know that if nobody else tells you that today, you're a rock star. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So tell me, cause you kind of touched on, you know, like this, this is your professional life as well. What, what exact, cause I know we were talking beforehand, you have a lot going on and a lot, like I said, you're doing a lot of good within the community. What are you working on right now? Right now I am rebranding my business to have an online presence to reach more of the autism community. And one of the things I'm very passionate about is educating and inspiring. Um, you know, I just started rebranding this past year aside from my therapy office, because when I owned a therapy office, I loved the one-on-one i the team aspect. I loved educating therapists. I'm like, wait a second, we have to reach the families. Like that's the point, right? So what can I take? What is the meaning behind my personal experience with Angie? I never said, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, why do I have this lifestyle? I always said, what meaning can I get out of this? What meaning can I have in my life to help others? And 
right now I'm focusing on creating webinars for families and online courses on different topics. And one of the things that I'm super passionate about, and this is going to cover basically everything (laughs) that I'm trying to create, is an effective communication system between professionals and families on how to have families and professionals create that multidisciplinary approach of, you know, when, let's say, you have uh, behavior, speech, and OT and physical therapy for your child, and they all work in different practices. How can we teach the families how to independently execute a plan so that way the team is on the same, you know, page? Because that's what I felt helped my sister progress. It was, you know, if the OT has a fine motor goal for the child, everybody's incorporating that fine motor goal. Mm -hmm. Um, So with Angie's progress and progress that I've seen with my clients at the office, I'm teaching their one how to enhance their one-on-one time with their clients and how to impact families, giving them the family perspective. And then with the families, I'm teaching them how to impact their child's progress with the professional aspect. Mm -hmm. Because I I want to fill that gap that we have in our community. I feel like that's what we have and that's what we need to spread awareness on. Absolutely. No, I feel like that's such good advice. I'm always preaching on the podcast, just the importance of like open communication between Mm -hmm. the whole team, because like, so for Logan, I mean, obviously he has us here at home, his family, and then we have an ABA team. So we have his, his BCBA and then he has two BTs Mm -hmm. and then at school he has his teacher, but then he also has his speech therapist, his OT his social worker and it's, I mean, it's a, it's a team. It really is. Like it's yes. a lot of people, there's a lot of moving parts and we really do our best to stay in contact with everybody. Right. So like just, just yesterday, his teacher and I and his, and his BCBA were all emailing so we can figure out a time when I've already, I already observed this year. Um, but his BCBA wants to go observe and then we can schedule a meeting for, everybody so it's like Mm -hmm. we have like you said like kind of the home the therapy that and then the school like everything just all kind of working together because like you said that really is when when all the wheels are kind of turning in sync is when you're going to see the most progress and like get the most out of everything right so there was actually a job that I had at 19 and I had no idea what this was but Mm -hmm. I did an ABA internship I did recreational therapy internship I did all the internships for every <laughs> disciplinary uh, approach. Mm-hmm. And, and I was in multiple settings. So the job that really helped me create this, um, I was 19 and a family reached out and they said, we're looking for a shadow. I'm like, first of all, what the heck is a shadow? Uh, <laughs> they said that they needed help with special needs in a general ed classroom in a private school setting. I said, so okay. Like a pair. Uh, yeah, pretty much like a pair. Said, okay. okay. So I went in the classroom and this child had everybody, behavior, OT, speech. Um, he was involved in leisure, recreational activities, the family. And I got to personalize. This is the first time that I got to create something of my own. I, my job was to basically fire myself because the goal was for him to be independent <laughs> in the classroom. Mm-hmm. When I structured and I came, I became almost that like communication liaison and I told each therapist, I was on top of it, the teacher, this is what we're working on. Let's um, implement this. But the, the thing is I was always updating it because as he progresses, his goals are going to progress. His mm-hmm. like fine motor skills are going to progress. His behavior plan is going to progress. So I was the person always on top of everybody of, okay, um, I want you to focus on this because this is what his therapist said. And I integrated all of his goals into the classroom. He was independent in six months. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So when I create, when I personally did this for myself, I said, I got like, I have a system, I have a plan. Mm-hmm. And then I got more calls and more calls from that preschool. I said, okay, I'm going to work with another child. This child had auditory processing and I helped him in his classroom be independent in five months. I mean, wow. it, so I got to practice the system that I created 
-hmm. and I created it. And then I um, trained a team of shadows and I said, okay, guys, this is exactly what we're going to do. And they had their clients independent within months as well because of this system. So I started thinking to myself, if I teach parents how to have this system and even teach therapists how to have this system and educate their clients and their families, our kids are going to progress so much because there's a gap in the communication. It's not the professionals. We have amazing professionals. I mean, Uh if you go on Instagram, you have like, they're just so talented and so full of ideas. The gap with our kids and when I say our kids, my clients are like my kids, but I with our it. kids, <laughs> with our your- kids, <laughs> you feel it, right? <laughs> yes, I feel it, girl. <laughs> um, I have like 60 of them. But, you know, with, with our kids, it was always the, okay, if we're approaching his goal in five different ways, how are we helping him generalize it in all the settings? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I created at my office with the therapist was a five piece developmental milestone map. And it was like a questionnaire that parents can take to evaluations to just visually see where their child was at and what they needed help in. And I explained that in the, I explained that more this webinar, which is back to school. But with that, I was able to help so many families just, be able to independently strategize a plan for their child's developmental progress based on my personal experience with the family life and based on my professional experience with, you know, having this one-on-one experience and being able to take these years and say, what plan works? Because I had to play Mm -hmm. with it, right? Like what plan works, what doesn't work, what system works, what doesn't, what makes the most impact. And this is when I want to educate and inspire families and professionals to do. And I'm talking everything from the sibling relationship, adapting and designing their home environment for their child's independence and developmental goals. That's next month um, because I did that with my sister. And this is why she's so independent at 26 years old. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a journey and I want to help families during that journey. And that's what I found meaning in being an autism sibling and being involved professionally is what can I give back? Like, well, you have just inspired me. I cannot wait to tune into all these webinars <laughs> to get all. Um, that's amazing. I feel like sometimes, you know, kind of how, how, like you said, like you felt lonely as an autism sibling, even when there is, you know, good support. And because I mean, through the podcast, I've been able to make a lot of amazing connections <laughs> there. There's still, it, it can still be difficult when it's like you, you feel like, you know, you're, you're kind of just climbing this uphill battle is sort of how it feels, you know? Um, so I just think anything, anything that can like help you make that battle feel a little bit easier and kind of give you like good pointers and lessons. is just so valuable. Right. And something that I'm creating and I'm, you're the first person I'm saying this to, but I'm creating a autism sibling journal on how families can teach because expressions as an autism sibling too growing up we learn to bottle a lot of things in because we start Mm -hmm. seeing that parents our parents have so much with our sibling with autism and it's not that we feel that they're neglecting us it's just that we feel that their needs are different than ours Mm -hmm. so if in sense you see that autism siblings are very independent and very mature at a young age they're like the old souls I like to call them you (laughs) are like just speaking to my soul right now, because it's something I, I think about so often with my girls and I just feel like I don't want them to, to feel slighted or to feel left out because Logan is such a, a focus for for me and for our family. Um, So I, I'm very conscious of it, but at the same time, I, I know that it's not something that I do perfectly. Um, so I think that is an amazing idea just to make, you know, the, the typical siblings, they need to feel just as special as the special Mm -hmm. needs siblings. So what I'm creating is a journal prompt and it's a daily journal prompt. It's a daily practice of that communication between what siblings want to hear and that dialogue between parents and siblings. So I'm creating that based on me growing up and I'm still 
tweaking it because I feel like I'm, I'm always adding in. I'm always like, Oh, it's too much, <laughs> but like a 10 minute practice, right. Where you're having this journal prompt, because that's so important for not just the autism sibling, but for your relationship with your other children as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, You're right now. I, w- I want that journal for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm creating it, um, you know, and you're the first person I'm, I'm telling this to, and I'm hoping to have it launched by December Ooh, because so I feel like that would be such cool. a good gift, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All but right, here first. I love it. I got this. Yes. <laughs> um, trying to decide what to call it too, but I feel that, autism siblings if we can find meaning right and I actually wanted to be a speech therapist growing up and uh, you know because of my whole situation with the guardianship I wasn't able to go to school um, in person so I switched online and I got a degree in business law and society and I said what meaning can I have behind this like yes this happened okay what meaning can I have in it I don't want to sulk and anything. And I think that's such an important lesson to teach autism siblings because growing up, they can feel, you know, why doesn't my sibling want to play with me? Why don't my parents hear me when I'm talking to them? Because, you know, realistically, because your your time is with your other child's therapist or maybe a behavior that are engaging in or sensory, you know, as parents, you don't do it intentionally, of course, but it's little things that autism siblings pick up. So I just want to focus on the dynamic of taking that meaning behind Angie, you know, everything she's taught me and everything that I want siblings to take out of, but also that professional side, because if we can help, if if we can fill that gap, I think we would get so much more out of our, not just the child's progress, but of the dynamic of how um, therapy practice is delivered, how programs are being created, how the family dynamic is affected, we can really impact the autism community more because as much as research is so important, we also need to focus on the dynamic of the autism journey. You're so right. So true. Oh my goodness. Well, like I said before, I'm just, I'm so impressed with you. And I just feel like your mom must be so proud of you because <laughs> I, if I can only imagine if, if my girls one day, you know, we're, we're in this field and just doing so much good for something that they feel so passionate about. It is like so close to their heart. I just feel like you are, you're just on top of the world. Thank you. And I'm so sorry if like during the podcast, I'm rambling, but it's like, you know, no. it, it's such a, I'm just so passionate talking about this because, you know, you tell me about what are your kids' names? Liliana. Liliana and Layla is our little one. And Layla, you know. Yeah. And Logan. Yeah, and Logan. Layla <laughs> and Liliana. First of all, I love those names. I love all three of those names. Thanks, I love yeah. how they're all L's. Um, it was not planned. It was just like a weird class. <laughs> You know, I, I put myself in Liliana's shoes when I was three. And although I don't have very, you know, I don't have good memories of when I was three, I have it when I was older, but Mm -hmm. if I can help her questions growing up by educating you or bringing you awareness and bringing therapist awareness, that's an impacted life. That's somebody that can grow up to be an amazing professional, whether it's in the autism community or not, or even just help her with the dynamic with her brother. And nowadays, and I want to stress this, that autism wasn't very well known back in the 90s when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So nowadays, you know, when I give talks to kids in schools and I, you know, one day I'll never forget, I went back to my old uh, middle school and I asked, I said, you know, hi guys, my name's Natalie, so on and so forth with the intro. Who here knows about autism? That is the first time in my life and I'm talking I'm not talking from a professional I'm talking from an autism sibling that every kid in that room raised their hand wow and it was I I almost teared up because if I could have grown up with my whole class knowing about autism I would have felt Mm -hmm. so much more understood and so much more I guess accepted you know Mm -hmm. because you kind of also feel isolated from your friends when they start talking about them and their siblings and you're like yeah okay. I don't have any stories yeah. to relate to you I think about that all the time obviously I speak to you know a lot of autism parents and when I talk to the parents who have 
you know, older children on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's something I say every time that I'm, I just, I give you so much credit because I feel like it doesn't matter when you're going through this journey, you're going to feel isolated. But, you right. know, I had the luxury to have this online community that, even though like it's, it's still, it's, it's hard to access it if you're not like a part of it. It's difficult to kind of like find that right. support, but it's available. And it's like, if you look hard enough, you'll find it. Whereas, you know, back then it was like that, that wasn't really a thing. So if you didn't know somebody in person, you really, right. it was so much harder to get that support. So for, for parents, but also for siblings too, like you said, like growing up, like, you know, autism, I feel like we're, we're just now kind of turning a corner in terms of like really providing autism awareness. I mean, the, I can tell you three um, times in my life that I felt so empowered by being able to form, being able to have a beautiful relationship with Angie. And one that was the speech therapist when I was in fourth grade who invited mm-hmm. me in the sessions with Angie. The second one was the summer camp. It was the Dan Marino camp in South Florida. And they allowed me to volunteer. I was in sixth, fifth grade, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade. I loved it so much. I went for three summers in a row. (laughs) And that was a huge impact in my life. And the third was when I was a Best Buddies High School chapter president. And I went to conference. And I met, that's when I met other autism siblings. Mm -hmm. Those three were so impactful as to why I went into this field and why the things have come out professionally and personally with my life and I tell families all the time I know it's you know I know you don't want to make the sibling feel like they're obligated to go to a therapy session but at least have that open communication where it's available to them Mm -hmm. you know like don't expect it but don't take that away from them either you know absolutely yeah let them make the decision exactly well, you have just given us so much valuable info and, and amazing advice. Can you tell everyone where they can connect with you and find the webinars and all that good stuff? Yes, of course. So it's www.piecesofinspiration.com. It, the website is going to be updated with all the webinars and everything, but you can find me on my best social media platform is Instagram. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram name is Pieces by Natalie Castro. And there they will get all the information to free resources I create, webinars, courses, anything I put out there, they'll get access to. Um, Instagram is my best social media platform right now until my website's being updated. Yeah. So that was where you and I connected. And yes, I can, can definitely say that just looking through through all your, your Instagram, like there's there's valuable info. There's the heartfelt. Like it's just I, I really I'm so glad that we were able to connect because I feel like, like I said, you you just have so much to share and I'm super glad that now I can just have Liliana give you a call as she gets older and she's feeling of course left out I'll be like you know what let's just give Natalie a call she can give you a little pep talk I mean if I can have a perfect perfect uh I don't want to say career but perfect um workplace it would just be all ran by autism siblings with each of our gifts like that's just that's a dream So maybe by the time Liliana's 18, I can get her for an internship (laughs) (laughs) or a job, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, have a job waiting for her. I love it. Yes, of course. Natalie, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Yeah. We we may have to do a part two at some point because you just have so much cooking. I need to hear all about this stuff. I would love a Um, part two. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and you, it was just a pleasure to get to chat with you. Yes. Thank you so much, Megan. Um, thank you for sharing the story of, of you. And as a mom, you know, I wish I can give you a hug because I, in person, because I just love connecting with, with moms. I can't imagine what the autism journey is like as a mom. I just hope that there are so many people that tell you that you're also amazing. You advocate (laughs) so much for your son, for your, for your daughters and they're, that's truly valued and it doesn't matter what age they are. They, they see you, they see the hard work that you, that you do. So you're going to be right. So so sweet. This is a love fest over here. And I (laughs) I know I'm sorry, listeners. (laughs) No, I I think everybody would appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for the kind words and just for coming on the show and for, for sharing so openly. I really appreciate it. Of course, Megan, have a great one. And I can't wait for a, part two. (laughs) All right. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out-of-Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Natalie. She is just such a doll. I'm so glad that I connected with her. And since we recorded this episode, she has actually released a couple of her webinars, which are amazing. So much great content and info. I know you guys will find that very valuable. But like I said at the top of the show, I just feel like hearing from the special needs siblings is it's such a valuable and unique perspective. Like, obviously, you know, as an autism parent, I am experiencing this journey one way, and I know my daughters are experiencing it a different way. So not that every autism sibling or even special needs sibling journey is the same, but I just think that, like I said, it's just, it's so valuable to hear from them because they have lived this their whole lives. And (laughs) I think sometimes when you hear that different perspective, it can kind of just like change your view a little bit for, for the, for the good, which I I feel like Natalie definitely shared that today and kind of shed some light on that. So definitely check out Natalie and all of her awesome content. And again, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at adventures and autism pod on Facebook at adventures and autism podcast, or you can email me at adventures and autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love hearing from you guys and I share a lot of fun stuff on my social media good and bad like I said but all all I think important to share so and I just appreciate so much hearing from you guys on there because it just it means so much to me and if you have been enjoying the podcast if you would be so kind to leave a rating and review I would really appreciate that it really just helps people to find the show so we can continue to grow and make those connections and that's all for now so until next time take care Thanks, guys.